to the Cougar Tailgate, where BYU fandom lives. Here's your hosts, Sydney Carlson and Cole Wissinger. Welcome into the Cougar Tailgate. It is that time every single week where we look with the BYU fans at what has been going on in the world of BYU sports. I'm Cole Wissinger alongside Sydney Carlson, as always. Hello. Hello. How Cole. was, you know, Christmas and New Year in the past three weeks since we've been hanging out on the air. Has it been three weeks? Oh my I gosh. Think, as I was looking at all the games that we missed, I'm pretty sure there's it's been three of them. Wow. Uh, you know, it was good. It was it was uh, a lot of uh, a lot of hanging out. I was a little okay. sick again, but you know, we're here. We are we're powering through and we are ready for some basketball. Yeah. BYU basketball is pushing onward as well. Football has wrapped up their season. Uh, We might, if we have to, mention that at some point during today. But we're going to start by focusing on some basketball. Pause. BYU in front court. Ten seconds to play. Crossover by TJ. Drives past Kuzi for the dunk and the tie. 77-77. 6.6. Ford with five and with four and with three. Ford. Floater. Missed it. We are going... To overtime! To overtime they went, and it didn't turn out quite so great. Uh, St. Mary's has a little bit of overtime experience, I think. But what we're going to do as we kind of catch up on BYU sports is go backwards, because that St. Mary's game a couple nights ago was pretty dang fun. It was fun. It's a heartbreaker for sure, Um, and I feel like BYU fans have had their share of that recently, but I I love a game where they fight to the end, you know? And uh, I feel like TJ got another, like, golden shining moment, oh, which goodness. was so fun. <laughs> and uh, he's really come in clutch a couple times this season, and it's always fun to see guys show up like that. And he is dunking this season. <laughs> in knew? case you didn't realize Who knew? <laughs> that he could dunk, he's doing it. And as we've mentioned on this pro- pretty much every single time on this program, as TJ goes, the team kind of goes. And for so much of this game, we were just hanging four points back, six points back, then back to four, and then, oh, it's two, but then, oh, there's a chance to tie, and then we're back down to two and four. And it wasn't until TJ got hot very, very late in regulation Mm -hmm. that we finally got it to a tie game, sent it to overtime, and we really, really did need something spectacular in overtime and we didn't quite get it but to get to overtime against the St. Mary's team is an accomplishment right and it took it took TJ to get there as we've said and it's just so it's weird to have that kind of barometer of one guy to kind of make or break a game but he's he's really important to this team and we're really we're really lucky to have him. It's a heat check for the entire team. Now TJ was so important in this one because Yoli was not there for this particular game. Injured. He had a, a big honking cast on his pointer finger there on his shooting hand and it is a dislocated uh, well, there's a fancy word for it. Anyway, one of the uh, one of the other guys I work with here knows what kind of a dislocation it was, and he showed me pictures of his brother who had the same dislocation. Ooh. It is a nasty looking injury, and the fact that they said one to two weeks, like maybe back for Gonzaga. If it's anything like this picture of some other guy that had a similar injury, I, I would be shocked oh, if gosh. he is shooting a basketball in two weeks because it is a. You don't need your hands for basketball. What are you talking about? Yeah, especially like you know the pointer. I'm pretty sure when you learn how to shoot a basketball, that's what you <laughs> follow through on, right? It's yeah, like yeah. let the fingers let it roll off fly. your yeah, yeah. Roll, roll off your something finger. like that pointer finger. I've played some some pickup some hoop in your the, days out in the 
backyard. <laughs> All five, seven of me can throw up something once in a while. I played City League for a hot second, and girls oh, are really? mean. Girls are mean, and they are aggressive, and they use fingernails. And I was like, you know what? This is not for me. <laughs> I'm going to play softball where you don't, you're not like interacting as much. Actually, the last thing to come off the ball when you're shooting it is the fingernail. Yes, the finger. The finger. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> City League ball, Sydney Carlson. That's great. So, so overtime against St. Mary's, they're a top. You know that that's a team that should be ranked. They had a weird loss in there, and they had a four overtime game. I mentioned they they're like practiced in overtime. They have played a long season this very short way into the season. It seems like they have. Well, and they were Utah State's first loss for a while before when they were on their really hot streak. They were ranked. Uh, St. Mary's was that big L on their schedule for a while. Mm-hmm. So like they've consistently been really successful against good teams, and they're always a team that we we battle against it seems like they they more so even than Gonzaga always have our number too so to be able to hang with them for so much of that game and to push it over time in a year when they're really good is definitely something to I think be optimistic about mm-hmm I, I didn't play a lot of basketball, but I did play a little hockey. And in hockey, in the NHL, you have a wins lo- column, a losses column, and then an overtime loss column, which also counts as points as you like go towards the postseason. And when the Stanley Cup playoffs open up, you get two points for a win and one point for an overtime loss. Because that's kind of how hockey... Hockey's like a game of inches, and it's so close. So... Close only counts in horseshoes, hand grenades, and actually the NHL. <laughs> BYU so far this year has three overtime losses to really stinking good teams. Oh, gosh. And they, I don't know. It is like, the year of the overtime games. I tell you what. Mm-hmm. I tell you what. I'm sick of it. I'm and, sick of it. And the the cool thing is that really at this point in the in the schedule, you know, it, we like to see wins. But really your your resume boosting, right? You just sure. want to be on the, the bracket bubble radar, right? And an overtime loss to Utah or an overtime loss to St. Mary's really does kind of count like half of a win as far as those bracketologist people are concerned. This this is an okay thing to put on your resume. If we'd gotten blown out, right, the line was six, and honestly, without Yoli, that line could have been minus even more for St. Mary's. But to keep it two overtime and to keep it that close, I think it counts. It counts. It counts where it counts. Sure. And I mean, it seems like in recent years, especially BYU's best bet at postseason play has been being like just you have to be successful in the tournament and in the WCC tournament. And I think seeing that we are able to compete with those teams now maybe is a good look for us as we look ahead to March. You know, like if you can stay competitive in the conference and then know that you are you can you can compete with those guys and you're just as athletic and just as good as a St. Mary's team that like that's a bit of a confidence booster when you go in and you play in Vegas. And then when you plug in Yoli the next time that we play St. Mary's right. and it's at home the next time we play St. Mary's, it's going to be a different kind of a game. Skip from right corner to left corner, big three and A.B. missed it, put back is good by Childs and a foul, a chance for a three-point play. Because Yoli was having a heck of a season in between these two, like not playing because of suspension and now not playing because of injury. Uh, there were some other basketball games that were played. There was BYU over LMU as we kind of go backwards in the schedule. Yeah, we were chatting about this game just briefly before we started recording. Just because the score looks What a weird so game. Weird. The, the score, I mean, the final score is 63 to 38, but I was sitting watching this game in the first half. 
you get the end of halftime, it was 24-19, and we were in, like, single digits for the first 10 minutes of that game. Like, Oof. nobody was – it was brick after brick, and I was – just curious as to where that game was going to head. Luckily, the second half, BYU kind of hit their stride and was able to really, truly put it away <laughs> in a grand fashion. But man, what a weird game. It felt like everyone was so cold to start. And then we go back in the schedule. So that was WCC play. Our last game, couple games before we launched into WCC was Oral Roberts, BYU 79-73 there, and BYU a 30-point win over Weber State to kind of close out our little in-state tournament that we, we ended up playing a bunch <laughs> of teams in here, uh, 91-61 over Weber State. Yeah, we ended up being, what, 3-1 three and, three and against in-state opponents, not too shabby. Yeah, and that one, you know, could have could have gone different. And it was an overtime <sighs> loss, so it's kind of, listen. You know, like I said. We end, that game, we end that game five minutes sooner, and, it's, and we're undefeated in-state. <laughs> And and Yoli plays a little bit longer, right? The, yeah. The guy. So Could've, there's should've. a lot of conversation, right? And because you look at our losses, and Yoli wasn't like totally a factor in all of them. And and Gregory Bell tweeted out talking about you know when Yoli puts up 29, you can't really count that he wasn't there for that game. Mm-hmm. But I contest that we can because yeah, that one. We had the lead when he was in the game, and then things kind of started slowly, dramatically falling apart when he went out. Yeah. Had he been able to stay in that whole game, it's a different looking BYU team. There was a tale of the Yoli and BYU, and there was the tale of the right. Sands Yoli. Well, at that point, you know, you're another guy on that on the floor, and you're thinking, I don't really have to do a whole lot. <laughs> like, Yoli's got it in hand, and I think that the rhythm and kind of the dynamic of how that team was playing and and being, like, cohesive together just fell apart when Yoli went out in that game, unfortunately. Yeah, probably worth noting that Yo hasn't played in any of the three overtime losses. He was averaging just over 20 points a game and just over 10 rebounds a game. He's had four double-doubles since he's been back, as well as averaging one. Basically, I'm saying the future looks bright for when he comes back. We are pulling for you, Yoli Childs. <laughs> it's a special team, um, and, and, and we're going to accomplish special things, and it's going to be really, really hard, and, and that's... That's what sport is. And, um, you know, you ask, you know, this, this is about getting better every day. Um, and, and, and that's the character of this group of guys. That's why we tout this idea of becoming the best locker room in America. And that's, that's what these guys will do. Um, you know, we'll have, we'll have much happier nights tonight in terms of result. And, and, you know, I don't, but, but it doesn't matter result in terms of how proud we can all be of these guys. Because uh, these guys are putting their heart and soul on the floor. When we come back, I will be speaking with Jason Bro of the Portland Athletics Department to give us a little bit of history on who the Portland Pilots are and what we can expect for tonight's basketball game, BYU-Portland. This is the Cookie Tell. back into the Cougar Tailgate. I'm Cole Wissinger, and that is the Portland Victory March. You know, the sound of the opposing team's fight song means we are about to learn more about the opponent BYU's going up against today, and that is Portland, and we are with Jason Bro, a senior associate athletic director for the University of Portland, a man that's been with the program quite some time and will act as our guide through the University of Portland through the years. Welcome into the Cougar Tailgate, Jason. Thanks for having me. Now, we're talking the Portland Pilots today. 
But do you know how they got the nickname The Pilots? It's kind of unique in the NCAA. Yeah, it's unique and it's misunderstood generally. Uh, everyone thinks airline pilots, but the actual the actual pilot is riverboat pilots. Um, our Ooh. campus is located on a bluff overlooking the Willamette River, which flows right into the nearby Columbia River, which separates Washington and Oregon. So it's a major shipping channel um, to the Pacific Ocean, and riverboat pilots um, are very prevalent in, in the history of our region, and um, especially with the confluence of uh, the Willamette River, which our campus overlooks, and the shipyards down below our campus and, and the Columbia. Um, you know, our, our history dates all the way back to the early 1900s of the former university named Columbia University with reference to the, to the Columbia River. and then um, As opposed to Columbia areas. University, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> Columbia, exactly. So then uh, we transitioned to University of Portland sometime later, and um, there were all kinds of potential names, cliff dwellers for on the bluff, bluffers, <laughs> chinooks. For um, you know the the salmon species that's prevalent up here, um, but the uh, by presidential fiat at the time um, they just they determined to go with riverboat pilots and shorten to pilots in general. I bluffers would have been my pick. That one sounds fun. No pilots. So I, it makes sense because the little logo that you got looks like a pirate wheel, like a, a the captain's wheel. But I would have called them like the captains or the pirates or something, as opposed to I didn't know you called the person that drives a a riverboat. Also a pilot. That's cool. Yep, they're pilots. Yeah, and then that that it's a fairly newer version of that logo. So there's an anchor inside of the the wheel, as you mentioned, and yeah. we have different versions that go back into the you know the 1930s of all the different types of wheels. But that's been a common nautical theme uh, throughout our history. I like it. So while we're doing a little history lesson here, let's go over some of the highlights of Portland basketball. Yeah, I mean, there's, um, you know, it's not as robust as, as some others. So it's not like it's obviously recent history of BYU's history. Yeah. Um, but for University of Portland and the WCC, the West Coast Conference in particular, historically ha- has some really good history. I mean, everybody's familiar with Gonzaga, but prior to that, Santa Clara, San Francisco had, you know, number one ranked teams in the 60s, 70s, 80s. Probably our University of Portland best teams were late 70s, early 80s. Jack Avina was the head coach. There were some NBA players, Darwin Cook, who had an extensive NBA career was the point guard, Rick Ravio, who's our number two all-time leading scorer, leading rebounder, and was drafted by the Lakers and had an extended pro career. His son actually played for us, Nick Ravio, and his other son played at Gonzaga, Derek Ravio. They were the two big big guys uh, during that era, as well as uh, Jose Slaughter, who's our all-time leading scorer. So late 70s, early 80s, those teams were really good. Uh, so San Francisco at the time was one of the top teams in the country, so we had some good battles with them. Those teams won 18 games, but in that era, you had to win your conference to essentially go to the NCAA. Yeah, and, we've uh, been talking a lot about... We made the NCAA tournament, so <laughs> that, that's tough. It was a golden era, and you talk to our fans from that era... Um, you know, up in the Pacific Northwest, Oregon State was a powerhouse at that time. Ralph, yeah. Ralph Miller was their head coach, and there were a few times when they were ranked in the top ten, and uh, University of Portland hosted them at Memorial Coliseum, where the Blazers used to play, and knocked off Oregon State. So those were some of the bigger moments when you talk to our older fans that were saying, you know, those teams, if they were playing in this era, they'd be a top 25 team. And so <laughs> that was kind of the golden era. And then the, the most recent modern era, 1996, we went to the NCAA tournament uh, with a team uh, and lost to Kerry Kittle and Tim Thomas and Villanova as a 14 seed. So that's the last time we went to the tournament. 
um, in terms from a team perspective. And that was right before um, Gonzaga went off. Gonzaga went the previous year, we went that year, and then a couple years later, that's when Gonzaga really took off from a basketball standpoint. And they've they've been off ever since. Yeah, it's they've <laughs> they've sustained. They've done what nobody else in the WCC has been able to do. Is everybody's had their blips, but they've sustained it for a long period of time. That they have. We've we've been kind of covering. Uh, we we took the Christmas off here for the show, so we've been covering a lot of like get to know the WCC today. Um, and so you guys were you weren't quite a founding member, right? But you were like right there, very early in the beginning, before BYU, before Gonzaga, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very, very, very early on, seventy six, seventy seven is when we came, and there was you know it was the WCAC, the Athletic West Coast Athletic Conference at the time, transitioned mm-hmm. to the WCC. And, you know, as you probably know now, I mean, BYU coming on a little bit later, but besides the Ivy League, the WCC's founding members have been around for, I think, as long as anybody else in the nation. Um, you know, those eight teams, uh, the eight primary teams, and then obviously Pacific, which was a charter member and came back into the league, and then BYU joining has bumped it to 10. But th- those eight private, you know, for the most part, Catholic schools mm-hmm. from Southern California up through Gonzaga and Portland and the Pacific Northwest, the stability of the conference is something that has stood the test of time with all these changing landscapes. We're proud to be a part of it. I, I love it. Um, other than basketball, you got WCC athletics all over the place on campus. What are um, some of the other sports that the students take pride in there in Portland? Outside basketball. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think, you know, two sports in particular, um, you know, first soccer, we've won two uh, NCAA Women's Soccer National Championships in 2002 and 2005 um, and have historically been, you know, one of the elite uh, soccer schools in the country for both men and women. Clive Charles was both uh, the men's and women's head coach for our programs uh, up until 2000 the 2002 season late ages through 2002 and you know he took us to eight final fours between the two programs mainly on the women's side never could win the championship and then uh he was he was he developed prostate cancer in the 2002 season soccer season uh he was actually the men's olympic coach at the sydney olympics came back and everyone kind of knew it was going to be his last year and our women's team had christine sinclair who's now with portland uh, Thorns and going to be the all-time leading scorer was the primary player on that 2002 team. Wow. We actually played Santa Clara in the championship match, got down a goal, um, tied it, went to overtime, and Sinclair scored the game winner in overtime. And it was the last match that Clive Charles ever coached. He passed away that spring, but oh, he, he finally beautiful. won a national championship. And there's and, so you mentioned one name there. Uh, as I was yep. scrolling through everyone that's graduated, you know, coming out of the athletics program in Portland, there's one more in that women's soccer program that I think USA <laughs> fans will know. Yeah, and she she was she teamed up with Christine Sinclair. We're talking Megan Rapinoe, who yeah. has won just about every major national award from Sports Illustrated Sports Person of the Year, gold medal, Ballon d'Or, and everything yep, this yep, year. Yep. Um, so she she was a freshman in 2005 when Christine Sinclair was a senior, and that's when we went undefeated and won our second national championship. Um, and uh, there was about four national team, four or five national team players on that roster between Canada and USA. Um, so that that's a point of pride, and and both those players, our, our soccer culture is very strong. The alumni come back regularly and are very impactful with the program. So, um, yeah, Megan Rapino, she has kind of blown up on the world stage, and she's always been a character as someone who works in media relations. It was ironic. Christine Sinclair used to run from me, and Megan Rapino was always there for an interview. <laughs> so two very different personalities but both great representatives of the university. Gosh, and that's so fun working with student-athletes, right? Just seeing how they each um, take to being campus stars, right? Like, what have been some of your favorite stories of working with the athletes over the years? 
Yeah, I mean, there's a lot. I mean, I, you, you kind of go back to you mentioned what sports, and I'll, I'll tie it into this. And probably one of my favorite coaches to work with is Rob Connor with our men's cross country program, which cool. is an elite program. And as BYU is also elite and has done wonderful things in, in the cross country realm. We're Rob getting Connor's there, but I was looking <laughs> a little bit before we were there. It was just every single year Portland, 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 yeah, Portland, Portland. Portland was dominant. Now, BYU's been good because it's elevated our program too from being a regular top 15 team in the nation to. When BYU came in, all of a sudden we were on the podium and finishing yeah. second and third and third and fourth. So that competition's been healthy and really good to help push our program to that next level. But Rob Connor's been around 30 years as our head coach. He's an alum. He used to drive the team bus for um, like travel to the airport <laughs> for all the different teams. And, you know, just a really quirky personality. He loves like old school wrestling. He's an eBay guy. He loves, you know, um, Slayer and he goes to concerts. Right and on. It's always funny talking with our like student athletes that come through our cross country program and some elite ones. And when they leave, they're like, it's just, it's just, he's such a different personality and he's so authentic. You can't help but love him. Like he's the only coach who, and you know, he picks me up from the airport and he's just blasting Slayer as we're going. And I've never met him before. And it's just like, he is so authentic. It's hard not to like him. So um, there's a lot of stuff like that. When you talk about student athletes that I really enjoy, mm-hmm. that's when we talked about who Jetter is like our number two all-time score. And, and he's just a great individual. He's still playing in China, making a lot of money, but he's just one of those guys that just lit up the campus. Uh, you know, he's about five, nine, big smile on his face came from inner city la um came up to portland which was a big culture change for him and he's just one of those guys that everybody on campus knew him loved him um he, you know took, you know every time he comes back even to this day the food service people he remembers them he goes up he takes their hand he shakes their hand says hello to him so he was kind of a, a campus icon and continues to be a beloved figure among our our fan population for basketball and that's i I love that kind of it that feels like the small school like interaction that I think BYU fans aren't as familiar with. Before I came here, I actually went to a school my freshman year back in Pennsylvania where I'm from called Gannon University. It's a it's a small Catholic school as well and it had about 4,000 right around where Portland's sitting at and just there's something different, right? About like a smaller gym or you know the way Everyone interacts on campus. Can you kind of put that into words to kind of explain to someone maybe that went to BYU for four years and didn't didn't get it? Yeah, I think it's very different. I mean, I'm actually an undergraduate. Um, I graduated from University of Portland in 2003, and you look in our department, it's very unique because from our we have four former alums that are head coaches on our staff. I think we have about six others that are assistant coaches on our staff. Among our administrative staff, there's a number of us that are alums and then a number of us that went and got master's degree while working there. And the ironic thing is, you know, the athletics business is so cyclical and people jump from job to job. And and I would put the longevity of our community probably at the top end of anyone in the country. Um, We don't have a lot of turnover, you know, both with our coaching staff as well as our administration, because one, Portland's a great place to live. And then, as you talked about, the community of the university, it's just a tight-knit family. And you feel that, um, you know, from our former coaches in different sports supporting each other. You know, our previous basketball coach, you know, Eric Reveno, you know, used to ask me for, <laughs> when we'd be riding on the bus, getting cross-country live updates. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, the coaches are friends with each other. It's not like that thing. And talking to some other coaches that have gone, and I won't out anybody necessarily, but other coaches that have gone on to bigger BCS-level schools and just saying, you know, it's just so different here. I'm just used to 
working with everybody and everyone being on the same team, whereas maybe if I'm with this basketball program or, or this soccer program, it's, it's your program and you're kind of isolated from everything else. And, yeah. and you just can't be successful at a place like the University of Portland with that mentality. Everyone has to support each other. Everyone has to be part of that family. All of our head coaches, with the exception of our tennis program, are all located in the Child Center, our basketball facility, and all of our main administrative staff. So we're all in the same building, which is also unique compared to maybe some bigger football schools or what they're used to. So so the family environment and culture fit when we make coaching hires, and I know BYU, it, it's very similar in that. It's got to be – the profile has to fit for it to work, and it's yep. similar – um, on a different level for us, you know, fit is so important. That's why Clive Charles was so successful as a soccer coach. He got that. You know, he was best friends with other coaches and everything. That's why Rob Connor has been here 30 years, has been able to beat Stanford and Oregon consistently without a track on our campus and without ever being able to beat them for a recruit. It's just kind of that chip-on-your-shoulder mentality and um, make more with less and, and support each other and value our community that, that kind of pushes us to be – um, good in a lot of different areas. You mentioned being in the Child Center. I, I know we're playing in the Marriott Center tonight, right? But but take us in. What what's the student section like? What are maybe some of the weird uh, traditions that are around Portland the basketball? Like what's maybe a song you played before you start, or what's what's just a tradition that you guys do there? Yeah, I mean, with basketball, you know, as you mentioned, our small student body, we have more traditions in our soccer program. It's funny, people refer to us as a soccer school because we have a village drum squad, we have drums. So it's a really unique environment at our soccer games. We're trying to build that at basketball. We've done different things, and it's just got to be organic, and we just haven't found that. And in recent years, the team hasn't performed at the level that we wanted to. That being said, uh, not to bring up <laughs> bad memories for BYU fans, but some of the most <laughs> enjoyable games – are you know a triple overtime game uh, about six or seven years ago against BYU? I don't know if you remember that or were around. Yeah, a but little bit. Probably one of the most entertaining games I've ever been a part of. And you know Bobby Sharp for Portland hit a bunch of crazy shots at the end of the game. Ended up being triple overtime and a lot of fun. And you know crowd stormed the court, which is uh, you know showing a lot of respect to BYU in a lot of ways <laughs> on how important that win was. Yeah, we'll but take it. But those are like the memories that that are fun. You know, beating Gonzaga that same year as well. Um, you know, you, you point to those, to the point we made earlier about Gonzaga being able to sustain it. It seems like every time Portland basketball has gotten on the cusp of doing something special and gotten the community engaged, it just hasn't sustained. I think back to 2009, um, we played the Anaheim Classic, and we had a really good team at that time, you know, mm-hmm. Nick Ribio and Luke Sigma, who's been, you know, one of the top players in Europe for a number of years, had a really good team, and we beat UCLA by 25 in the first round, which was their worst non-conference loss uh, ever. <laughs> and then we beat uh, Tubby Smith in Minnesota, who was ranked 18th in the country, and then took West Virginia, who went to the championship game that year, down to the wire at the championship game. We come out of that. We get ranked for the first time in 50 years. And we came home, and we have a packed house, and we're playing Portland State, our crosstown rival, who, and Portland State just played out of their mind and beat us. And it was just deflated. You know, it's just that, that's kind of, you, know, you hate to say it, but as a UP alum, it was just like that encompassed kind of the last couple decades for UP basketball. It's like there's all this hope and glimmer, and everyone gets excited, and then the air just kind of gets let out of the balloon. So, you know, the challenge for us, just like everybody, and it's harder now with Gonzaga and BYU and St. Mary's establishing themselves, is, you know, how can we develop some consistency and get our fans to consistently buy in 
get on board and, and have some fun. Um, so that, that's been a challenge, but I, I would say if you have a chance to get to the child center, it's one of the best viewing. It's a great facility to watch a good basketball game. You're right on top of the court. Yep. There's not a bad seat in the house, uh, and it can get really fun when you get three, four, five thousand people in the building. Yeah, I was taking a look at your schedule, right? So BYU will, we, uh, they, there's a new WCC schedule, right? So you don't play every single WCC team twice, but we got each other twice. And when BYU comes up there, uh, I looked on it and it was going to be mascot night. Uh, since I'm not going to yep. get to talk to you again before <laughs> then, why don't you give some of the BYU fans an idea of what, what that's going to be? Well, it's a lot of fun. I mean, we cater a lot of our promotions to be family-friendly and kids. We do a lot of, you know, youth group experience packages from getting introduced with the team to sitting on the bench during warm-ups to, you know, take over the court after the game and shoot around with our guys. So we try to be really family-friendly, and obviously what do kids love? They love mascots. And they do. mascots in, in the Pacific Northwest area. So we get all the local minor league teams from the hockey to baseball to soccer um, to as well as some corporate sponsors bring in their mascots and it's just kind of a zoo you got a bunch of mascots running around <laughs> all over the concourse and they'll do a little halftime awkward game and do some contests at timeouts and stuff and a lot of photo opportunities so it's a lot of fun it really fits into what we talked about earlier and kind of creating that tight-knit culture and family environment yep yeah and what's the portland ma- i assume that the uh, riverboat pilot will be there yep. as well what's he look Absolutely. like so wally pilot he's a He's a human-like foam mascot. He's got his sailor's cap on and uh, wears pilot jersey and, and runs around. So uh, there's been a few different iterations of, of that mascot, but uh, he will be there as well to, well, some would say scare the kids, but others would say um, entertain them. <laughs> there you go. Uh, hey, in the WCC, and you mentioned Portland State earlier, do you guys have a rival that's maybe a little bit more than just all because it seems like in our conference every game is huge but is there one team that you guys kind of have as a rival yeah I mean I I think it kind of depends on sports basketball specifically and it's hard because it's just gotten blown out of the water but you know forever it was Gonzaga and Mm. for a good majority of the history you know Portland was a better team than that (laughs) and Gonzaga wasn't this elite force you know and just because the regionalities being the two Pacific Northwest teams um you know having you know, very similar institutions, competitive across the board and everything. Right, right. Portland-Gonzaga was that rivalry. Um, now, obviously, you know, it's hard to call them a true rival or for their fans to determine a rival when, you know, they've kind of steamrolled the last couple decades. Um, but historically, that has been the case. And mentioned Oregon State being good. Portland State is the the in-city, you know, the other Division One team in the city. So there's a pretty good rivalry going on with there. And then depending on the sport, like I say, if you talk to our cross-country coach, he says BYU's our rival right now. Cool. Uh, you talk to our soccer coach, Santa Clara has been a historically, um, along with Portland, dominant team that's won a national championship, and now BYU is good as well. So it's interesting from a BYU perspective. I, I think them coming into the conference has been really good for a lot of our Olympic sports um, in, in having another high-level team to compete with some of those teams um, that maybe haven't been there before. Um, and I think for BYU's perspective, if they go back and look at the last decade, I think they'd probably be a little surprised at the level of competition across all sports they're getting in the WCC. So it's been a good it's been a good partnership. Oh, yeah. No surprise to me. I've been, I've been keeping track of it, and I try to remind BYU fans all the time, even when football or basketball have these down years, Olympic sport competition in the WCC is awesome and is something to, to pay attention to. Yeah, no, a lot of a lot of good teams, and and like I say, every every school kind of has their points of prize. We're, we're soccer men's and women's in cross country, but you look at Pepperdine with their 
their tennis, golf, baseball. You know, there's mm-hmm. it's an elite conference. Um, maybe not across the board in every sport for every team, but the best at each specific sport can compete with anyone in the nation. All right, Jason, my last question is always, um, and you can be biased, you can be uh, a homer as much as you want, but what are you hoping to see or what do you expect to see tonight uh, in the basketball game, Portland v. BYU? Yeah, you know, I'm hoping for a competitive game. Portland, you know, even when we've struggled the last few years, has seemed to play pretty well at BYU Mm -hmm. um, for whatever reason. So I'd like to see that continue in our team. Um, You know, we finally got off the snide and, and snapped a long WCC losing streak, handled San Francisco without our best player um, by 11 last Saturday. That was the last time out. And uh, we're leading Gonzaga early in the second half. So we've got a little bit of momentum. And, you know, I think it's going to be a good entertaining game. I think, you know, for the, the basketball diehards and the BYU community that have seen Portland, it's kind of being struggling in the last few years. You're going to see a team that's going to be a little more enjoyable, um, a little more offensively dangerous and a little grinded on on defense. I, you know, I'd be surprised if it was a blowout, but uh, if if our our pilots were able to come in and you know have it as a one possession game late, I think uh, we'd be happy with that. I'm not sure if my heart can take another one of those. Just on Thursday, <laughs> we were in overtime all over the place, and uh, but yeah, so entertaining. It's coming off of four overtimes, and then has to go to another another one. one. Yeah, gosh, it's been the WCC play is early on, but it has already proven to be fun as always. Jason, bro, thank you so much for educating us a little bit about the Portland Pilots, sharing a little bit about your school. It's been a pleasure. Appreciate the opportunity. Thank you. Jason Bro is a senior associate athletic director for the University of Portland's athletics department. When we come back, we're going to dive a little deeper into the WCC and the schedule awaiting the Cougars for the remainder of the regular season. This is the Cougar Tailgate. Back into the Cougar tailgate. WCC play has begun for the BYU Cougars. They are one and one, including one just heartbreaking overtime loss, and hopefully two and one by the end of today. We just got done talking a little Portland basketball, so we know what we're up against a little bit better with Jason Bro. And thank you very much for coming on the show. He was amazing. He's a fast, as a fast talker myself, someone that thinks and then just like spits out everything they can. I really appreciated talking to Jason for a little bit. It was fun to kind of hear what I must sound like to people sometimes. As a Gilmore Girls fan, I appreciate fast talking, so that's a little it's a little Gilmore Girls talk for you. Yeah. <laughs> so, so WCC play. Yeah. We're into it. <laughs> Moving right along, he says. Moving right along. We derailed <laughs> by the Now if we want to talk about the Bachelor coming back this week, oh, we can oh. head into that little uh crevice of entertainment for a second so but. for bachelor talk head over to cole's side corner podcast the bachelor talk uh, and uh, uh and sydney's <laughs> apparently not joining me there anyway basketball is happening it and is. it's wcc play and before this and this is our first show since wcc play has started so we kind of need to introduce the folks you know if you're just a casual byu fan what can you expect to see over the next couple months of basketball? Because this is conference play. These are the only teams we're going to play. We're going to have a couple of them twice. It was just a couple of years ago that they kind of switched up the way WCC was doing their scheduling. Uh, it used to be that we played every single team twice, right? You got mm-hmm. a home and away. Uh, it's not that way anymore. Yeah, I am not really sure how they decide who does what. I'm, 
I always get a little nervous when the schedule comes out because I want two games with the Gonzagas and the St. Mary's every year. Nope, I don't. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I just because mostly because unfortunately it feels like there's always going to be at least one loss in each of those series. So I don't want it. Yeah, I don't want to just. I want a couple shots at them. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And so I don't mind if we only play a Pacific one. Sorry, Pacific. But I. I, I get more I get more excited and I get more hyped for those Gonzaga St. Mary's games. Yeah, and we do, for the record, have Gonzaga twice and St. Mary's twice this year. So far, every year since they've switched up the schedule, we've got them twice every time. If but... I was the one making a schedule, I would kind of look at the rankings from last year and just have the whole top half make sure that they play each other twice. Have the whole bottom half make sure that they play each other twice. You yeah. know, do whatever you want with the middle. Um but the WCC didn't ask me, and so yeah. <laughs> they just, they'll do whatever they do. But we do want to kind of get to know, you know, each and, each and every week we are going to speak to someone, as we have been doing on the Cougar Tailgate, to give an in-depth look at what this team is. But let's paint a broad picture here and see what the WCC conference holds uh, for the next few months. We We now know a lot about Portland and what a pilot really is and what it means. It's not... A little airplane uh, dinghy guy. <laughs> yeah. It's it's actually a little riverboat pirate with. Yeah, their their logo is like an anchor and a like a full on. I don't even. I'm, I steering don't know nautical wheel? tours. Yeah, yeah. It's like a steering wheel is what I would call it. For but I boat. imagine that like if you're if you know nautical terms, it's probably got a more like specific name for it. But essentially, the wheel that steers the boat. Yes. Sure. The helm, <laughs> I think, is where you stand yeah, yeah, yeah. at the. Look at you. Wheel that steers the boat. Um, I grew up in a landlocked state. I don't. <laughs> I watched a lot of Star Trek, and they use uh, nautical terms to refer to how they craft their spaceship. Anyway, the the Portland Pilots are actually the smallest school by enrollment in the entire WCC. Interesting. Uh, there's BYU. BYU has been the extra school into this conference and we love it and and we like we we feel like we belong now but they're they kind of had their own thing going there right on the west coast each one of these schools uh, and and we belong here too is is a private christian college uh but everything except for byu hovers right around or less than ten thousand kids in it uh byu has thirty four thousand on their campus the marriott center itself seats twice as many as those schools schools have (laughs) like total right they could get their entire student body into the Marriott center plus a couple yeah it's definitely a different vibe where we we have a venue that accommodates other things not just basketball you know we've got devotionals and 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 whatnot in the Marriott center so we need a lot more space but i sometimes wonder what uh what it's like for those teams to you know once or twice a year or I guess just once for most of those teams mm-hmm. when they come here, what walk into the Coliseum, yeah, the, the Marriott Center. <laughs> it's a lot of people, a lot of lights, a lot of sounds. So it's definitely different. It's yeah, we have the different venue, the the odd man out in that as well. So let's kind of go down the list. Uh, let's introduce you to and see what you know about briefly each one of these teams. Portland, the Pilots. They wear, oh gosh, this is going to be impossible for me. Let's not do colors because <laughs> the list I'm looking at only Portland's shows purple. a swash of the color. It doesn't oh. tell me in words what the color is. <laughs> so I'm just not going to guess and we are colorblind. Oh no. But they are the Pilots and they have uh, 3200 kids 
at their school, the University of Portland. 3,200? 30, yes. 3,000. Wow. Roughly the size of like my freshman econ class is what it felt like. <laughs> Next. Let's go back. Let's talk about Loyola Marymount because we played them. Uh Located in sunny Los Angeles, California. Los Angeles, a short, like, five-minute drive from my house in L.A. when I lived there. Um, they are the Lions, correct? They are. The other team in L.A. is the Pepperdine Waves. The Waves. Pepperdine, listen, if you want to go to a school to be on the beach, don't go to LMU. The beaches by LMU are trash, especially when you compare them to the beaches at Pepperdine. Ah. I have never seen a more beautiful campus than Pepperdine. They are right in the heart of Malibu, and they the campus itself is kind of situated up on a hill, so you're just looking out at the ocean. And it is stunning. And I had some friends uh, out in L.A. who were graduates of Pepperdine, which apparently is a feat because people who go to Pepperdine spend a lot of money and never go to class, well, according because, according to the people, according to my friends. Nobody ever goes to class to do in LA because they're they're always on the beach doing yoga or surfing. And um, but I mean, you you definitely pay for that view when you go to Pepperdine. It is if you ever get a chance when you're if you're out there for a family vacation and there happens to be a BYU game, check out the Pepperdine. If for campus. some reason you want to leave the 28 degrees and sleep in the <laughs> snow of, of beautiful Provo. And go to, yeah, I would go there in a heartbeat. But that's, so those are the two in the south. So let's kind of geographically look at this as well, right? Uh, As I said, the WCC started off as kind of a coalition of California schools. Mm -hmm. um, And there's a bunch kind of clumped up in northern California, right? Portland, Portland, uh, Spokane, Washington, home of the Gonzaga Bulldogs, we were very, very familiar with. And then there's BYU hanging out in Utah. And then it's just this kind of California run. Uh, those are the two L.A. schools. And then you go kind of north in the state. You got the University of Pacific in Stockton, California. They are the Pacific... Tigers? Tigers. Tigers. Yep, as opposed to the LMU Lions. A couple cats in the California WCC schools. Um, here in Utah. Again, kind of a mid-6,000-ish folks going there. Pacific was the team that they were a founding member of the WCC. They left the conference for a little while and have recently come back. So technically BYU, not the most recent addition to the WCC. Pacific is, but also they were sort of there before. They belong there. Yeah, they were a weird addition too because the first few years that they were in there, they had some um, sanctions and they weren't allowed to compete in the WCC tournament. So it was almost, it felt like it was a few years before we really had Pacific in the, yeah now they're an official part of the part of the team Moraga California also up there St. Mary's the St. Mary's Gales that we just recently played uh 4700 student body enrollment and that's that is right around what the average is really San Francisco is another you know, right around that Bay Area school they're the second biggest school as far as enrollment to BYU at Almost exactly 10,000 students. And again, a reminder, BYU has 34,000. <laughs> that is wild. When I think of, this is a wild tangent, but when I think of San Francisco, I think a few years ago they had a player and his name was D. End Parker, like D apostrophe end. Mm-hmm. And the running story that they would tell on every broadcast is that he was the last kid in his family. So his parents literally 
named him the end like this is the end of it this is the last one <laughs> every time i i see the san francisco logo or we're playing san francisco i think of good old dn parker dn uh across the bay there also right up in the neighborhood there's santa clara kind of down the bay. The reason I know where Santa Clara is now is because that's where the San Francisco 49ers stuck their stadium. By the way, talking about Northern California, the Raiders had to leave anyway, right? The Raiders are on the east side. San Francisco's on the west side of the bay. And then Santa Clara's like down Mm -hmm. it. Oh, it is not. Why didn't the Raiders and 49ers just share that stadium? If... If if the two New York teams can share, and now the two LA teams are going to share that brand new beautiful stadium down in the bottom of the state. Inglewood. I don't I don't know how to answer that question for you. I I Instead they're building the Death Star out there in, <laughs> in Vegas. Vegas. All black. I will say I am excited to see what they do in Vegas only because I'm not even a hockey fan, but seeing what they've been able to do with the Golden Knights yep. in Vegas has been st- like really impressive they fill up the t-mobile arena like that is that's a it's hockey an event town every game is an event desert. i feel like it's maybe just hot outside and people want to go where there's air conditioning and, and <laughs> yeah. you have to to keep the ice you have ice and... inside yeah i'd love to be Let's there go. where tell me when <laughs> yeah no because i mean you think i mean where we are in utah you would think we hosted the olympics we should be more into ice hockey but we're not so to be able to take a hockey team and put them in the middle of Las Vegas and have it be as successful as it's been and I think they're such a show business town everything they do is a show and so they've been able to kind of implement that in their in their hockey games and so I am excited to see the Raiders in Vegas for that reason but weird weird that they are completely moving out of the state every halftime might be an event that in would Las be. Vegas. I mean, yeah, you've you've got resident artists mm-hmm. all over town that you could just Cirque du Soleil yeah. at a Raiders game. That'd the stadium's amazing. Big That'd be so great. And then the last team that we haven't talked about, coming all the way back down to the bottom of the state again, is the University of San Diego. Not to be confused with San Diego State, who we also uh, have played in basketball this year. I've actually also been to USD. They're not. It's not as impressive a campus. As Pepperdine, but you are pretty close to like La Jolla and the San Diego beaches, which are much better than LA's beaches. Bless, bless. Go to go to Malibu or go to La Jolla <laughs> or Laguna if you want to stay kind of closer to LA. But anyway, beach insider information. Beach insider information. On the Newport. If you if you must be really close to LA, go to Manhattan Beach, but don't don't go to Venice or Santa Monica. I feel like that's the one I did go to. I've only been to LA like a couple times with a buddy, and he oh. just took us to where the touristy yeah. things are. Well, that's where you're gonna find I feel all. Like it was of... cold too. I just was not pleasant on that beach. No, San Diego was cold too. No, I've been to San Diego too because it was windy that day. It was in like it can get February cold. Or People like don't that. believe it, but yeah. I I would call my parents and complain about it being 50 degrees, and they're like, "Oh, is it 50 <laughs> degrees?" I'm like, "No, but it's." It's humid here, and that makes it cold, and I'm very cold, and then they'll come out and visit, like, and we'll go to Disneyland. And I'm trying to go to a beach. Like, 50 degrees isn't cold whenever you're just getting in your car and going to your job. But, like, if you want to enjoy the beach. Right. And it looks beautiful, and you want to be outside, but it's not quite there. BYU joined the WCC uh, the year after Jimmer, 2011, right? Yep. Um, Because we were in the Mountain West. That's very memorable with San Diego State. 
since then. So one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, and now we're in our ninth year of WCC play. How many years would you say the WCC has sent three teams to the NCAA tournament? Well, we kind of cheated because you told me the answer earlier, but my guess was two times. Thanks for playing along. Yeah. (laughs) You would be wrong uh, if you guessed two or more than one. The very first year, our first year post-Jammer, BYU was that third team uh, that went along with Gonzaga and St. Mary's to the NCAA tournament. Since then, it has been the Zags along with either BYU or St. Mary's, or just, you know, no one. In 2017, it was just Gonzaga that came mm-hmm. out of the WCC. But other than that, it's either Gonzaga-St. Mary's, Gonzaga-St. Mary's, Gonzaga-BYU, Gonzaga-BYU, Gonzaga-St. Mary's. Like, it, yep. those are, there's kind of a clear top tier of the WCC, or at least has been since BYU has joined. And that's kind of what I got into with Jason Bro a little bit, talking about how maybe this year there's going to be a little bit more parity, and because of the strength of the middle chunk of the WCC, I think it helps bolster BYU and St. Mary's resumes in trying to be those second and third teams from this conference and, and do that again. Be a three-bid conference again to the NCAA tournament. Yeah. And obviously resume means so much more in basketball than it does in football. And I think BYU's done some good things and has some good resume games. Like the Houston win on the road is a big one. Um, being able to compete in state and on the like, not just on the road but neutral sites, I think is you know it's a small thing, but it's it's a good look on your resume. Um, but it it's gonna be it's it's always like that fine balance of uh, it's great to be in that top three and like where the years when it was so strongly Gonzaga, St. Mary's, BYU at the top yeah. and everybody else just below, like that's kind of nice because you know you're always gonna be in the mix, but you then risk being that third person left out in the cold, which BYU has been. So with a little more parity, and if you're playing teams that are viewed as being better, then maybe that boosts your resume more naturally and you get an get a at-large. Mm-hmm. And, and the at-large is kind of what you got to rely on because right. Gonzaga just so happens to be the number one team in the whole dang country. And so to win <sighs> your WCC tournament and automatically get to go to the NCAA tournament is... Impossible. I mean, could they just like take one for the team? Like, you're gonna go. You're you're already going, Gonzaga. You like, can be just an could you, you just wanna... yeah, just take one for the team. Do you have to have everything all the time? I think it would be fun to see what would happen if all the not Gonzaga teams played in a tournament to see who would go to the you know NCAA tournament. It's very true. It'd be fun. Heck, even like again, every single team has had their day, right? Any team could beat another team. Um, but yeah. not everyone can be Gonzaga. If I've learned anything from being the older sister of a Patriots fan, it's that um, <laughs> people never get tired of winning. So, <laughs> unfortunately... Because I've gotten tired of the Patriots winning <laughs> because I'm not a Patriots fan. When we come back, we're going to keep talking football, but unfortunately not as bright of a note when it comes to the end of the BYU season. That's coming up next here on the Cougar Tale. Welcome back into the Cougar Tailgate. I'm Cole Wissinger along with Sidney Carlson. We're talking WCC basketball. We're excited for the basketball season and I'm even more excited for basketball because it means we get to just totally forget how that whole football season ended up. Yeah, we're turning the page. We are (laughs) moving on. I will say um, 
so our whole staff just moved our offices. We are now working out of the stadium as of today. And um, wow. congratulations! Thank Happy you. Move in. Thank you. I, it it was. <laughs> there's like pictures of players up on the walls, and I will say, makes it a little hard to just leave football in the past. I mean, You're listen, listen to me complain up. about like having a really great view, but um, uh, yeah. Yeah, last game of the season against San Diego State, we kind of brushed by that. But then while we were on hiatus for the holidays, Christmas Eve, BYU played Hawaii in the Hawaii Bowl and was just very comfortably in the lead for the whole game (laughs) until they weren't. (laughs) Until. And then you end the season seven and six. And when you looked at the schedule at the first, like when it started off, and, and honestly, our first episode of Cougar Tailgate, we played this little package of a bunch of fans saying, hey, what do you want to get out of this season? And I mean, realistic expectations was about seven and six, sure. But but we got wins against Boise and Utah mm-hmm. State and stinking Tennessee and USC. And yet you fall to, to Hawaii and yeah. to Toledo and to USF. This is one of the weirder seasons for me as a fan because had you told me, like, before the season started, hey, we're going to beat Tennessee on the road, I would have been overjoyed. And I also would have said that you're crazy. We're not going to beat Tennessee, like, in SEC country. That's insane. And also, Tennessee not as weak as we thought they were when we had just beaten them, right? right. Tennessee went to a bowl game, stunning victory in their bowl. Like, we played a ton of these bowl-eligible and, and confident teams, Oh, absolutely. But you, when you drop games that you absolutely feel like you should have won, not just because of the opponent, but we had a couple games that we were firmly in control the entire time and then just let it go the mm-hmm. last, you know, five, six minutes of the game. And those losses hurt enough that it almost like casts this shadow over the whole season and makes you forget about those amazing moments. Like, that overtime win in Tennessee felt so good. That overtime win against to USC. Follow it up the very next week with an overtime. Was, yeah. yeah, like everybody was just high on life. It was so great. And so it's unfortunate that the whole season feels a little tainted because it could have been a much more memorable and magical season with those amazing wins and then the wins that you're supposed to get. Mm-hmm. You know, just to kind of, that's kind of your foundation, you, you know? Yeah. Um, but because we're all just kind of sitting here with this, like, meh taste in our mouths we almost forget about how great we felt after those other games which is such a bummer yeah to to end beating like boise state being their only regular season loss of the whole year there there there's some real highlights to look at for the season and yet the lows were really weird and and again it's it's not like we're disappointed you lose to usf and toledo because they're usf and toledo it's because in that game you were confidently ahead and Mm -hmm. then it just all sort of falls apart right absolutely well and i mean what a what a what terrible cosmic joke to have that hawaii game be christmas eve my <laughs> my family has a tradition every year that on christmas eve we watch muppets christmas carol Aww. and because after but, all there's only one more sleep till christmas ex- exactly <laughs> but of course first and foremost our tradition is that we are byu fans through and through and so we are watching that bowl game um, no matter what. And it was also the longest game. It was oh a goodness. solid four hours. And yeah. so we were postponing our our movie for this game thinking, you know what, we're going to get a great win. We're going to fill, 
We're going to feel that Christmas spirit. <laughs> We're going to go right in. And then that game ended and it was like, well, is Christmas canceled? Like, what do we do now? You know, like, it's just we felt like we just felt so down. And luckily, the movie was able to bring us up a little bit. But like it just it just seemed like like you said, like a microcosm of like, of course, like on a day that is of joy that we are brought down because it just felt like that's kind of how a lot of the season went where we were feeling so great and then we're just brought down to earth so like yeah 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 do you watch the muppet christmas carol with or without uh when the love is gone cole cole i am so glad you asked me this question (laughs) because i make my family stop the movie (laughs) and go and watch that cut song because it doesn't have as nearly as much poignant like feeling without it Mm -hmm. and there's a reprise at the end that doesn't make any sense if you haven't seen the song when love is gone and i could go i could talk about this for an hour (laughs) i have very strong feelings about it i'm so glad that you asked me that question but absolutely with is the answer that it was a controversial thing to ask people because i grew up watching this movie on christmas eve every single year but we watched it on a vhs tape Uh that had it in there and so we didn't have to pause watched on disney plus this year because i'm away from my parents and they have the vcr and the and the tape and everything back home and i did not uh, and it just like he starts into it and then it just kind of skips over just, to Gonzo just, and Rizzo crying. And why are, the why worst. are they crying? Though, it's it, thank you. Thank you. Why are, exactly. We I'm going to play this tape back for my family. I'm so glad that we're talking about this. <laughs> no, but I um, <clears throat> I feel very strongly about it. Yeah, we got the DVD maybe six six years ago. And I just remember mm-hmm. being like, wait, did I hallucinate that there was a song here? I remember there being a song. <laughs> right. See, this is how we spent our again Christmas, Christmas Eve. BYU, whatever. It's it was it was about more than that. It's about uh, watching Muppets and Michael Caine. Yeah, absolutely. Learning the spirit of Michael Caine being put, putting on putting on a show, an actor actor's master's class with all of those Muppets. What a what a gem. Entertainment more than just the basketball game and more than just what goes on. Um, we try to bring it all to you and bring the real fan experience on the radio every single week. That's Sydney Carlson. I'm Cole Wessinger, and we're here every Saturday at noon Eastern. Nope. It is 2 Eastern, noon Mountain, 11 Pacific, because I can do a little bit of math on the fly. <laughs> and anytime on a podcast, don't need to know what time zone you're in to just go on to BYUradio.org and click on the Cougar Tail Gate and download whatever episode. If you want to catch up on some of the teams we played earlier in the basketball season or remember all the hope there was at the beginning of the football season, all of our episodes are available there or on Spotify, iTunes. Tune in, Stitcher, all the major podcast platforms. If you want to get in contact with the show, you can send us an email. It's cougartailgate at gmail.com. You can tell us your fan experience and what makes being a BYU fan important to you. This has been a production of BYU Radio. Go Cougs!